0: Hey everyone, welcome to Resilience Unraveled. This podcast is a result of my fascination with subjects like resilience, accountability, burnout, life fulfillment, and other life and work based performance issues, as well as many of the other obsessions I bump into in my life. I spend my time working with highly successful teams, people, and organizations, and this podcast introduces their remarkable stories and expertise as well as my own synthesis of the key issues strategies tips tools and resources to thrive in life if you find this podcast useful why not go over to our site qedod.com if you'd like some resources on how to manage and beat burnout head to qedod.com forward slash burnout 2019 for some goodies stay tuned to the end to find out details of how to order a free ebook enjoy the podcast and today I'm talking to Dr. Diane Stoller, who's uh, got a fascinating track record and some really, really information, interesting information to impart. So good afternoon, Dr. Diane. Good afternoon. Well, it's afternoon where I am, but I'm guessing from your accent that you're in the middle of the middle of the morning, are you?
1: That's right. Well, it's almost afternoon. It's uh, close to it.
0: <laughs> oh, very good. Very good. So
1: tell me where you are. I am north of Boston. Yeah. 45 minutes north but I originated from the middle part of the country so my accent sounds more midwestern until I talked to some of my New Englanders here so I learned how to say aunt instead of aunt. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we have the same thing so <laughs> it's fascinating talking about accents and how they work. That's right. It? Yeah very interesting
1: so um so tell me a little bit about yourself Dr. Diane. Well is that I am a uh, neuropsychologist, a board-certified health psychologist, I am also a board-certified sports psychologist, ah. and a performing arts psychologist, and uh, I'm, my career started uh, very interesting because t- we talk about resilience and change, uh, is I started out as a cost accountant. Oh, really? Yes. I was a cost accountant and teaching cost accounting at Stonehill College, which is still uh, north, or well, actually south of Boston. And I taught in Boston at Fisher uh, College in uh, Chamberlain. And then I went to, and worked at Tufts University. And then I morphed into special education. Wow. And then I worked with the government, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, in special ed. I was a special ed auditor and a special ed teacher. And I did my doctoral work on autism and it was the first time in anybody was doing any, it was the first inclusive classroom ever in the United States. Wow. And we did the research and found out how using sign language would help and finding out the resilience of these children given the right tools. Right. And so, and from that I morphed into as part of the sports and I, in 19, uh, 79 I opened my first private practice and I've been doing this for now 40 years yeah. and as part of the practice I've been a trauma therapist working with post-traumatic stress disorder incest rape and abuse but also my business background is I worked with corporations on human resources and helping them to help people with at that time just trauma and yes. uh, then in 1990 I had a cerebral bleed while driving. Oh, my goodness. I had a 60-mile-an-hour head-on auto accident. Wow. I injured my optic nerve, my t- jaw, four cervical, three thoracic, three lumbar, both my knees, bent my tongue down the middle. And my husband, when he saw me in the hospital, said, I always knew White spoke with fourth tongue. And, <laughs> <laughs> and after four years, I was told by every single doctor I was permanently brain damaged. Wow. Now, going back again to the when I opened my practice, it was the first in all of New England, the first integrative practice. I had psychiatrists. I had neurologists. I had speech and language pathologists. I had a, a physical therapist, but also had acupuncture. I had massage and all we had homeopathics. It was the first integrative practice ever in New England. Right. And right. so at that time and my approach is a five-prong approach and that five-prong approach is looking at the physical of a person which includes their genetics we're going to talk about that the emotional how someone's brought up psychological means what is the biochemicals so if there is uh serotonins off you know so if there's schizophrenia there's bipolar or hormonal yeah. We that has to be addressed. That's psychological. That is yeah. not of the others three, and then there's spiritual, what someone's mm-hmm. belief is, yeah. and the last is uh energy, the energy yes. psychology, which I've been trained in. I was trained. I've been blessed with being trained by Roger Callahan, the first guy who invented the Callahan technique, which is the tapping mm-hmm. technique. Yeah, and then it. So so, have,
0: so have I actually, but it does all you know for It has amazing results, doesn't it?
1: Oh, absolutely, and yeah. so. And then more from that is Fred Gallo who went in his, well, as you know, Roger Callahan went from the Callahan technique to the TFT thought field therapy. And then it morphed into TFT and EFT with yeah. Gary Craig. And then I've trained with uh, Donna Eden, energy psychology. And then I was trained in Bali with energy psychology. So we have in our practice, Reiki people, Yes, we have, uh, you know, acupuncture. Uh, on our team, we have Tom Tam, who is world renowned in acupuncture, homeopathics, naturopaths, along with, as I said, all the medical doctors you can think of, and the world renowned water therapist man, Igor Burdenko. He's the guy who helped Nancy Kerrigan recover uh-huh. in the Olympics. And so I see his patients or his clients, and as one of the jokes here, they always ask, does the shrink have a couch? Yes. I have a seven foot couch for my NFL players and oh, NBA nice. players. Okay. Yes, yes. And I have in the gymnast too. So I work with Olympic athletes, corporate executives. Yes. So when 19, when, in after four years in 1994, when everybody said I was permanently brain damaged, I utilized my own, all my methods. And by 19, that was 1994 by 1997 I had put Humpty Dumpty back together and wrote Mm. written the first book ever on concussion called coping with mild traumatic brain injury
0: right
1: and so then I was doing really well and then in 2005 is that um, uh, I got Lyme disease in New England here there's ticks all over I got Lyme disease I was very very sick and on our team, we have a nutritional educator
0: right. and
1: using uh, homeopathics and nutrition, recovered from that. Then in 2008, wow. I was driving and another a snowplow took off the front of my car. I had another concussion. Yeah. And in that accident, they took an MRI and found I had a brain tumor. Oh, my
0: goodness.
1: And so and everybody's questioning, am I going to come back? I took my book. I held it up and I did my Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I said, I'll be back.
0: All right, with an Irish accent.
1: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's right.
0: (laughs) I think the moral of this story is you should never be allowed to drive a car.
1: That's right. And then in 2010, I was sitting in my zero gravity chairs, if you've ever had them, they're wonderful. But the hinge snapped, I flipped back and we had another concussion. And again, using all these methods, yeah. There is in my book, of, uh, and then in 2011, a penguin asked me to write a new, a new book called Coping with Concussion While Traumatic Brain Injury. Now, t- during this period, before I'm going to go back a little bit, for those of your listeners who likes spiritual suspense, while I was waiting to have my brain surgery, I wrote the novel, Timeless, Who Am I? Right. And you don't know who's alive or dead, and it is partly... You know, here and there. So that's also on my website. So it's a spiritual suspense. You don't know who's alive or dead. And then, as I said, came in 2013. Came coping with concussion, mild traumatic brain injury. Yes. And then things were rolling along really nicely. And and I'm going to go back a little bit in uh, at 9/11.
0: Yeah.
1: When uh, we had. In Boston, all the planes were canceled.
0: Yeah.
1: And using the Callahan technique, using uh-huh. TFT, I'm part of the Red Cross Disaster Relief Network. Right. And I was at Logan Airport for those pilots and flight attendants who didn't want to come onto the plane. And right. so I went there using the tapping that you know about. Yeah. And within 15 minutes, all the flight attendants and pilots. And it was a very tra- traumatic feeling walking in and seeing the clothing of the people who had just been killed in the you know, t- Twin Towers. Yes, I bet. So then we move ahead, going back to now. In 2014, I had a pain in my armpit. Right. And I said, well, my, I know that pain means a gallbladder attack. My mother's had a gallbladder attack. I'm going to assume that. And I went and had an uh, ultrasound and they said, you have uh, a brain tumor and is that, and they said, you know, I knew about the brain tumor, but they went on my liver and they said, you have, we think you have liver cancer. You need to be seen immediately. Well, I dismissed it saying I've had hemangiomas. I didn't think it was. So in 2016, I went and finally had a biopsy only to find I had a three-centimeter tumor called primary hepatic lymphoma. Right. And he says the rarest, 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 and on it, had Hodgkin's, non-Hodgkin's B cells and T cells. Wow. They told me if I didn't do chemo, I was going to be dead in six months.
0: Yeah.
1: And using the hypnosis that I've been trained in, because I've been uh, used hypnosis for many of my patients to heal many of the physical. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Is that as of the good news as of this January, it has totally disappeared. Wow, well done. But the bad news is it's metastasized, wow. and now I have a tumor on my liver, I have it on my lung, and I have it on, uh, in my lymph nodes. Wow. And what my doctor turned to me and said, and I quote, okay, I see this now, I'll see you in the fall, and go do your magic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, fingers crossed that's right but it's not magic it's just no a, it's and just so this is approach. where
1: we're going to go back to is that the body we have white blood cells we have red blood cells we have limbs we have all this to heal ourselves if you yeah. cut yourself the body is resilient it wants to heal yeah and when i talk about resilience i i usually take i don't know if in the uk you have silly putty but Yes. You can stretch it, yeah. you can break it, but then you can it still bounces back. That's
0: it. That's and exactly. when I go
1: give speeches, I always bring and give out silly putty.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because this is what
1: we're talking about.
0: Yeah. And it's natural. It's natural for us to bounce back. This isn't is natural.
1: It? And the bell shaped curve, which we all know about, is that there's 25% over here who are the sea biscuits of the world. They're gonna fight, they're gonna do, they're gonna make it. Yeah. Then there's the 50% who wants others to help them. Yeah, exactly, and, yeah. And then there's the other 25%. There is nothing you're going to do. I call them the whiners of the world. Yeah. You can give them all the right things, you can give them all the right pills, and they still don't get better. Yeah. And so even though the body, so even the body wants to heal, the mind wants to heal, then we get the belief system. Yeah. And you know, you and I both know about the placebo effect. Absolutely. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. you can say to someone, I'm going to give this to you, you're going to get better And that belief. You can say to someone, I'm going to give you this pill and your hair might fall out.
0: Yeah. It's the problem yeah. with control groups, isn't it, in scientific right. experiments? They've done many yeah. control groups on this. Yeah.
1: And the same thing, there's a new word out that I've learned in the last oh, three or four years is nocebo. And that's yeah. placebo, sebo. And those are those people who they say, nothing's going to help me. No one's ever going to help me. And you know what? That's right.
0: That's right. Yeah.
1: And so even though we have this resilience, mm. part of their resiliency is not believing that they could ever get better. And, and, they, and it's still
0: it's, all, it's oversimplified sometimes to the point where it becomes unbelievable, this idea of positive at- mental attitude. And, of course, it isn't positive mental attitude, but it is this idea of proper optimism. It's having a hopeful, pragmatic, realistic sense of purpose in the future. And yes. then, and then you know, there's recent research that's showing people who have that live longer, but they live better lives as well. Right. Because you can, you can live longer and be miserable, but it's about living longer and a better life with less
1: illness. With less. Right
0: of manifestations of illness as
1: well. And we, and we all know the relative who wants a little longer to make everybody else miserable. Yeah,
0: miserable, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I think
1: that's yeah. my job. <laughs> and so, yes, so, you know, really getting into how the bodies create, we create many times our own reality. You know, someone sitting there, as I was told, that I would never get better. I, I will give back further history on me, when I was in high school, okay, and back in that day, and they said to me, I didn't do well on the SATs, and so they told me I wasn't college material. They uh-huh. said you make a nice housewife, yeah, a nice volunteer, but don't plan to go to college. Uh-huh, interesting, because that was a belief system they had. Yeah. Well, that wasn't my belief system. Yeah, and that's again. Is how someone is seeing themselves or what they've been
0: told. And that's fascinating, isn't it? It's, and it's the way education's changed because actually people don't make those sorts of pronouncements in that way. Because actually, if you had a little less, I don't know what the phrase might be, spark, right? Chutzpah, whatever you want to call it, but right. if you hadn't had that, which has nothing to do with resilience, but if you had accepted that judgment,
1: that's what I'm saying.
0: Then you end up with that place, don't you? You end up being the sum total of the expectations that were given to you
1: right and you know when we see movies of people who have come from slavery who come over on the boats the immigrants the people who've made it is that is you have the resilience and the spark and that's what i'm saying that part of the bell-shaped curve and i call them the sea biscuits the gold medalists well isn't isn't there
0: recent research in the states that shows that most of the immigrants do better than this sort of american population don't they because actually they've had to I mean, if you think about some of the um, some of the top social media stars, like Gary Vaynerchuk and all those people, are all immigrants.
1: Right. You know, they they
0: have this drive, the fight. They have the perspective also
1: of having lived somewhere else. Well, the uh, I, I can't think of his name right now. Uh, is the new candidate, the Democratic candidate, uh, who says, you know, his father he had nothing, and mm-hmm. he, he come up yeah. for nothing. Yeah. Yes, you know, what is that motivation, the resiliency, the, you know, that is the Best As a matter of fact. In my work, as I told you, as a sports psychologist, I have worked with Olympic athletes. Yeah. And I have seen, and not in all one, one group, it's been over time, where four of my patients have made it to the Olympics. And one makes this gold, one gets the bronze, one gets the silver, and one doesn't medal at all. And it was the, the one who didn't medal actually was physically the better athlete. Mm but he didn't have that fire in the belly that i'm talking about
0: yeah desire is so important The desire
1: that i'm going to make it i'm going to do it and it's
0: interesting isn't it because what we see at the moment is a a real rise in things like anxiety and depression right um you know that's the enemy of a lot of resilience and a lot of ambition and potential and such like so maybe maybe we could unpack a little bit of the anxiety depression sort of
1: to a one of the things that I really get into and when anybody calls me and this is perfect anxiety and depression are symptoms yeah they're not the cause and we'll take anxiety what I say to people I'll give you two different analogies that I use the simple one when it's over the phone and then the one I use on my website but is that if you have a runny nose that is a symptom you do have to address it there's no question Absolutely. that's anxiety but what is the cause of it and going back to the runny nose is it a allergy is it bacterial is it viral well you don't give antibiotics if it is a viral
0: exactly
1: and the same thing what we do is that uh, uh, and when i go even one step further here is you You know you can see my office is uh, when on a cold day that we have the fireplace going now yeah. if we have a woman who's in her late 40s 50s she's sweating Yes. Is she sweating because it's hot in the room? She's got a fever. Is she having a hot flash? Is exactly. she having food poisoning? I can diabetes, right? Yeah. You can go on because the body can only respond in this so very limited way. Yeah. So knowing that, when someone says, "I have anxiety," or they or depressed, yeah. are they depressed because uh, that their really their dog died, and that they're sad? They're really talking about bereavement and grief.
0: Yes, exactly. Right? There's a lot of confusion between these areas, aren't there?
1: Yes, and, and, and uh, the fact is you're going to have the same symptoms. I have a chart on my website of uh, the symptoms of post-concussion syndrome. I have the symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder. And then I have the symptoms of uh, uh, grieving. And then I have yes and no's. And certain of them, yes, is are you going to be anxious that your dog just died or your family member just died? Yes. But that doesn't mean that genetically you have an anxiety disorder no and how you're going to treat the difference as i'm going back to the virus or the bacteria is that some people coming in if they genetically and you're going to get a laugh on this and so will your listeners i label all my patients by dogs all right all of yeah. them yeah you're i've been of- doing
0: you're not, the, you're not the first person I've met who does that, actually. That's very really? interesting that you should say that. Yeah, I did not know that. Yeah. Since,
1: for 40 years I've been doing this. Yeah. And there was a little kid who came in, and he had a concussion. And his symptom of his concussion was anxiety. Yeah. See, this is what people don't understand. You can have anxiety from a brain injury. Yeah. Or you can have a concussion because of, uh, again, biochemicals. Or you can have anxiety because of trauma. Yeah. So this little boy came in specifically with uh, anxiety as a result of his concussion. Yeah. But I looked at him and I said, do you know what a Chihuahua is? He says, yeah. And I said, do you know what a New Finland is? He said, kinda. I said, it's a big dog, but I said, it's very gentle. It is the least aggressive. And I said that the most anxious New Finland is still calmer than the calmest Chihuahua. I said, you are an anxious Chihuahua. And I said, and when I'm done, you will not have anxiety, but you'll still be a chihuahua. Yeah. And then this other woman came in and I said to her, I said, you're a Jack Russell. She said, I got four of them at home. Interesting. People don't understand that when we look at development, you're looking at the parenting, you're yes. looking at the child's own personality, you're looking at the environment, right? And then you're looking at genetics. Yeah. And people don't look... And so... Is that if you come from a family that really has never been resilient, you know?
0: Yeah, the answer is know. epigenetic, isn't it? I mean, but it's that's a tougher thing, and and I find today with the medical profession, and you know, it's a tough profession and it's very fast. But specifically for things like stress and anxiety, the answer is oh, with depression, the answer is always drugs or right. or talking therapy, and right. and nearly always. No, 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 let me rephrase that on many occasions they're just the wrong oh, just the wrong treatments and, it, t- and it's such a I shame t- because that makes things so much more difficult because people haven't been diagnosed by people that know something about this that's the that's a challenge isn't it
1: and that's absolutely And this is why i have this integrative team because what happened there was a, a woman who at age 14 was put on antidepressants she they claim that her symptoms was depression yeah Then she came to me because part of what I do, which we'll talk more about, is neurofeedback and biofeedback and hypnosis. And these are some of the things that really do help depression. However, it didn't work. I could see it. So on my team, I have an endocrinologist. I sent it to her. And son of a gun, this woman's symptoms of depression was from an amino acid imbalance. Once she got on amino acids, all her symptoms of depression went away. And that's the point that... I get on, um, as you can already hear me getting on my soapbox, is that there was two young women who uh, have, uh, they're on the spectrum, autism, and they had certain symptoms, and nobody, they, they went to the psychologist, they went to yeah. the medical doctors, they went to the educators, and they said, if you only learn this way, and they did all these things, we did neurofeedback, and it's helping, yeah. but they went to our endocrinologist, and voila, they had a B12 imbalance. And it's fascinating
0: because if you think about the um, the serotonin issue with depression yes. and, you know, the classic thing is to give a, an SSRI, which is a right. serotonin thing, but actually serotonin is produced by the gut on the whole. And, right. then, and then you look at the diet and you see that most people who are depressed often are the people who are looking after themselves least well. Their diet's all out of whack, their exercise is all out of whack, and then you wonder why they're depressed because that can be, even if it's even if it's not the main cause, a real contributory
1: factor, can't it? A matter of fact, I would like you to know, uh, I have my brain diet, and it's not a diet.
0: No.
1: Okay, and I have recipes, but what I have found over the years, okay, personally, this is how I found out. I learned a long time ago I had certain uh, food allergies, and when they I had the food allergy, they put me on a six-month elimination diet. Yeah, and son of a gun, I found out what foods I was allergic to. Yeah. When this brain injury came to me, I noticed that certain times that when I ate certain foods, my ability, the brain fog would come in
0: yeah. or
1: the emotionality would come in. So from it, I then did a brain diet I've developed a, a elimination diet. Yeah. And basically what I am bear again, we're on uh, this podcast, but I'm going to be a little bit gross. As is, is I say to my patients, have you ever seen anyone shit face drunk? And they yeah. say, yeah. And I say, and then we list every single symptom of post-concussion. And yeah, guess yeah. what? A cool. person who is shit-faced drunk has yeah. every single, every single, they have the slurred speech, they have yeah. the gait, yeah. they can't remember. They, they, they say, huh? Oh, you know, they look at you, they don't sleep well. They're, they can be aggressive, anger, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, and so what, I, so what I do is I have them, we take a list of um, foods that can be made into alcohol. For example... Sugar. Now everybody talks about sugar, but sugar is rum. Can be made into rum.
0: Yes, that's true. Well, sugar can be made into lots of lots of lovely things. Can't say rum is true. Cane sugar, yeah.
1: See, is that apples? Like right now, it's the apple season here. That can be made into hard cider. That's yeah. liquor. Yeah. Corn is whiskey. Yeah. Rice is sake. White potatoes is vodka. Yeah. Oats, wheat, barley, and rye. We don't have to tell you it's bear time. And right. Oh, uh, yeah. Oktoberfest. And so certain foods they don't realize can be made. So what we do is have them eliminate all those foods that possibly can be made into... And no, I don't have to tell you, artificial sweeteners, because it's bad. Just, that's it.
0: And sugar, alcohols, because that's the new naughty thing that is
1: sneaking into um, food at the moment. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And maple syrup, I didn't know, because up in New England here, coming from Ohio, we didn't have maple trees, is not that made maple syrup, I mean, is that I didn't know you can make an alcohol into that. So honey, honey is, think of the oldest alcohol as mead. That's right. Right. And so what we do is we have them eliminate these foods and then look at their symptoms. And this is not just for brain injury, but we also do it with, you asked about anxiety, but again, why is that person having anxiety? If they have been, they might've been in an auto accident years ago or had a mild stroke, and they don't realize it. And not every doctor does MRIs, and then we'll get into the type of MRIs in a moment, but is that by just changing the diet, You know, is clearly that they found, I have one kid who could eat the apples, another person soon, well, the obvious, another one, grapes. What does grapes make? Ah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) See what I'm saying? And is that, so when you start to eat these foods, and you see that now you're, not as, you're more fatigued, if you're more anxious, if, are you feeling more depressed, are you, uh, your gates off, you're slurring your speech, you're having these things, the, then that's a no-brainer. I say to people, don't eat it. I wonder how many people
0: um, really do keep a food diet when they're experiencing these things. Um, and like you say, have a look at these different areas Um, because it's the simplest thing you can take along to your doctor isn't it right um who's who's actually enlightened
1: enough to be interested Um, oh and most doctors I don't know about the UK but over here uh nutrition is still not known well the trouble with nutrition over here and the trouble with a lot of
0: this whole this area of science is that it's such a it's such a um flaky area of scientific research because it's built on food diaries and such like and, and some That's of the right. new thinking people like uh dr michael mosley over here who have really worked up the nutrition oh yeah they're, they're doing proper work you know the, the proper control groups and blind control groups and placebos and proper you know physiological measurements and such like and you know even today quite recently i think it was today yesterday in the uk there was a report saying it's okay to eat bacon. You can eat as much as you like. And that flies in the face of everything we've known about cancer in the last 30 years, you know. But one report, and then suddenly let's rush right. out and eat I mean, bacon. Wait,
1: wait, What was it? Remember how what 10 years ago, the low-fat diet? Oh yeah. You know, and now for my cancer, I'm to be eating lots of avocados. Yeah. So <laughs>
0: yeah, ketogenic yeah. stuff's all all for all for cancer, isn't
1: it? Yes. And going back to working in a business and organizations if somebody is eating something that is now causing them to go into an anger symptom. Yeah, that's right. And now they go into the room and someone says something and now they're more edgy because they either had their tweaky, you know, don't forget, if you remember how many years ago there was on um, the news that someone said that he killed everybody because he had Twinkies. Yes.
0: yes, that's <laughs> right. yeah. Well, all you need, all you need is very, very poor sleep and L-tyrosine. And, um, right. and then you've got that terrible thing about, um, being manic almost and completely tired, and so your ability ability to control yourself absolutely subs- right. so it? it's
1: not that you actually have to have alcohol or no. you realize and then going back to the genetics again exactly some people having more sugar can cause them you know to react be more reactive yeah. and it, and now they get more irritable and now they go into the work and their boss tells them to do such and such, and then they take. The gun and they shoot the bug.
0: yes yes
1: so that's the extremes in reality
0: um okay so that's that's very interesting so you've you've written a very um i'll say that in a way that's uh, it's, it's fascinating actually i'm just there's so much we could talk about and i'm just conscious of being respectful of your time i know you've written a book which is on your website about um coping with concussion and mild traumatic brain injury. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Because that's perhaps the way that some people can engage well, with some of yes. your ideas.
1: For every single symptom of a concussion is in my book. So you have the physical, which is the, the number one is fatigue, and then there are headaches. And then, you know, in all the different sleep problems, then there's the cognitive issues and then the emotional issues. And then for each chapter, such as fatigue, there is a little vignette, a little story of a real person, and then how is it diagnosed, and then the treatments are in three different ways, more for, I would say, the US than uh, the world, but it's still, one is conventional, meaning that someone, uh, most doctors know about it, and it's covered by insurance, okay? Which is pills, okay. Okay, is that the next is complementary neurofeedback, uh, rei, uh, acupuncture, hypnosis is considered a complementary method. Yeah. Now, when you get the alternative methods, which is Reiki, you know, and some of the Qigong, or the tapping goes in and out on that, depending on yeah. the insurance. To. Yeah. But, and then homeopathics. So for every single symptom, there's uh, treatments for conventional, complementary, alternative, and then a practical suggestion of maybe going to bed a little earlier <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah. then Absolutely. and then resources and then giving books and things that they can do so for every single symptom with sleep every single chapter have the whole one of the chapters that i really stress on uh is in the book is on grieving the loss of self because people don't realize that you know if you're thinking and now you can't you've lost you you've lost yes. Because when I say to people that when my son, when my house burnt, uh, I was pregnant, I could count on me. Yeah. One son had medical conditions, I can count on me. The person I lost was me. And that was devastating. Yeah. And so I had to find me again. And I had to grieve me. Yeah. And so that's dealing in the book, too. Also, how to pick your barrister, you know, or your lawyer, you know, how to pick the right doctors and knowing now one of the things that's in the book that um the new book especially is that when people and i've seen because i'm on the facebook from the uk and for concussions and stuff you know uh and stroke if you're in an accident and a typical mri or cat scan will not show a brain injury you have to have a single weighted imagery and this is in my book so i written that if someone has been injured what are the different types the causes in the brain and then how neurofeedback can help and to know that that many of these techniques can be done locally nationally internationally and so how we can work with that so the and I'm pro- just
0: I'm just checking amazon.co.uk I know I know your books on amazon.com but just as we're chatting there I've just noticed it in amazon.co.uk so people can get it there as well right
1: so Absolutely. it's uh,
0: it's called coping with concussion and mild traumatic, traumatic brain, injury. brain injury and, it, and it, the,
1: the president of the american brain injury association susan connor says refers to my book as the encyclopedia it has which you're looking up as i said if you're looking up a headache there's different types of headaches there's tension headaches there's migraines and then specifically there's a little vignette again how and then all the treatments for let's say migraine versus a cluster headache. Yeah. So for each one has the conventional, complementary, alternative, and practical suggestions.
0: Now that's and very interesting because there, there are a lot of people with cluster headaches who, of course, yeah. could have actually mild concussion, but never that's right. Never
1: link the two things together. Absolutely. And the biggest thing I'm gonna, you know, before we finish, I'm gonna really stress for your audience. I'm very passionate in telling people, and this is why I didn't do chemo. Anesthesia. Mm. Anesthesia. You go in for, a, for your dental, for your knee, for whatever. And general anesthesia for a person who's had no brain injury, no other issue, causes cognitive impairment from one day to six weeks. That's yeah. a fact. That's you can good. ask any, any medical doctor. Yeah. Ask them. Yeah, and the physical,
0: and physical um, impairment for a week. Right. Because ev- everybody knows the sen- that sensation of having been. As a matter of fact,
1: your doctor yeah. says, don't drive home, have yeah. someone else drive you. Exactly. Chemotherapy will cause cognitive impairment from six weeks to six months. Yeah. It's called chemo brain. Yeah. If you've had a stroke, Parkinson's, a concussion, you are almost guaranteeing yourself dementia.
0: Yeah
1: because it, it plays on that cognitive impairment. Now, are there methods and foods? Yes. The, the neurofeedback kind of works. There's, new, there's the newest form is being researched right now. It's called ViaLite. And they're doing the research like you're talking about that's going to get FDA approved for using the specific. It's a photomodulation. It's actually light therapy. It's a different form of neurofeedback. Right. But the fact is, I say to people, Like my one woman who came from Connecticut, she had had back surgery. She had a concussion. She had to have knee surgery, which is no question. So we worked with doing more local anesthesia. We did hypnosis and we did a a very, and then not the typical general uh, uh, anesthesia. She had no side effect of cognitive impairment. Yes. So that's what I'm saying. I'm not telling people not to do.
0: No but it's choices that, you need to uh, yeah. educate yourself i mean we we have um i'm a hypnotherapist as well as you as indeed you are and um you know you have people now it's not something i'd ever do but you have people who solely go into operations with using hypnotherapy hypnosis i, I have done you that have people with and you have people who have hypnogastro bands and hypno births and i mean you know i'm not a woman but i imagine having I some, just a 10 pound someone. thing
1: pushed out of your body must be quite painful i just want to tell you that was my baby yeah. Before my brain injury, and I'm all doing puns here, uh, is that I invented uh, the pain control co- uh, childbirth. It was in, in 1982. I presented in Canada at the 10th International Conference on Hypnosis. So and I it, I, it was published. And what happened is that in 1990, and it was going to go international, is I did all the research presented at this international conference. And in 1990, I had my... Did my accident and this other woman took it over and it's now called hypnobirthing so when you just mentioned that yeah that was from my work and my mm-hmm. research at, at that international conference
0: well dr diane you and i i reckon could chat for a week and I'm i am very, very and i very want to be very respectful of your time and i just want to say thank you so much for spending time with us today your website is drdiane.com so that's dot com. And as I said, the book's available both on Amazon.com and Amazon.co.uk. Uh, we've definitely had a flavor of what you do. And,
1: and I want to make one more uh, point is yeah. that I do. I work locally, nationally and internationally. I've worked yeah. with uh, my patient who had Parkinson's. I worked from in London. I've had cancer patients. I've had childbirth patients. I can do hypnosis over Zoom. Yeah, so two
0: rights. absolutely, I, I, I totally work. agree. We okay. must, I, whatever happens, you and I are going to talk again. But for for today, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Thanks for listening today. You can go to our site, qedod.com forward slash podcasts and subscribe to hear other titles in our series. Or you can contact us at info at qedod.com to hear and find out more about tough love, leadership, accountability, resilience and burnout. You can go to our site, qedod.com forward slash burnout2019 to hear and get access to a load of resources to help you manage and fight burnout. And you can go to qedod.com forward slash free ebook to hear more about the fundamentals of resilience. Until the next episode, keep on thriving.